Hello and welcome to Real Living. This is Lavinia Spirito with Mary Lou Nemechek and we are going to continue kind of giving you a blow-by-blow blow of our recent pilgrimage to Assisi and to Rome. Last time we had come back from Rome and I, like you pointed out, I don't think we mentioned that on our way back into Rome, we actually hit the Basilica of St. Paul outside the walls for a quick visit. And it was really quick, right? Because remember they were closing and it was yes. dark and, you know, there was nobody there, which was great because, you know, we got to take some great pictures. Right. Um, but it was interesting to see it at night with everything lit up inside. Right. It was beautiful. It was beautiful. It was really, yeah, it was like our own personal tour. It was. I mean, really, when are we going to get pictures of just us in this gigantic basilica? So what is the Basilica of St. Paul outside the walls? Well, the Basilica of St. Paul outside the walls is, of course, one of the four Constantinian basilicas built by King Constantine uh, in uh, the 300s, 325, 326, 327, somewhere in there, that, um, no, actually, uh, Saint, he did not build St. Mary Major, but uh, St. John Lateran, St. Peter's Basilica, and St. Paul's all have origins in the original Constantinian Basilicas. St. Mary Major is a little bit later in the 4th century. So um, St. Paul outside the walls was the original Constantinian Basilica, which was made out of wood and which after a while just failed, right? And so it would have to be rebuilt and it was. And finally, the um, but all the stuff that was in it, it, some of it, also the mosaics and some of the, of the relics and some of the, the statuary actually dates back uh, quite a long, long time. And what is the Basilica of St. Paul outside the walls supposed to mark? What does it commemorate? Well, Who's in there? Well, St. Paul's buried there. St. Paul is built just like, you know, I just, it just kills me because people say, well, who knows? I'm like, you know what? They St. know. St. Peter's, the bones of Peter are below the altar at St. Peter's. St. Mm -hmm. Paul's, go figure that one. The, ball, the bones of Paul, they actually found, right? Like they that did. was about 15 years ago. They actually found that there were the bones of Paul underneath the, the main altar, which means that right after the martyrdom of Peter, right after the martyrdom of Paul, disciples, faithful, kept track of their relics of their bones, knew where they were, went and found them when it was safe, put them in special places, paced as a pilgrimage. Constantine, when he arrived a couple centuries later, knew where to build, right? He knew where right. to build. He knew where to build St. Peter's. He knew where to build St. Paul's because that was the memory of the faithful for thousands of years on the spot, right? Right. And, and so that's why we go to see St. Paul outside the walls. Unfortunately, in 1828, uh, the Basilica burnt to the ground. The original, well, not the original, but one of the incarnations of the Basilica, the old, one of the older ones, was burnt to the grounds, but it was rebuilt pretty faithfully mm -hmm. um, over a period of years. And uh, when you go in there, they make a big deal about telling you that the king of Egypt sent this marble and the uh, the Russians sent this other precious stone. And All like this, the, right? these precious metals, yes. The, the whole world contributed, it sounds like, mm -hmm. uh, to rebuild this, really, this heritage of humanity. You know? And originally, this is where he was, he was, he died. So it's outside the, the walls of, of Rome. So it was considered, you know, way outside. Well, now it's, 
it's very much in Rome. Well, it's in Rome, but it's still pretty far from everything else. I mean, you know, if you live around San Paolo, it yeah. is a hike to get there. Even on the other side of town. <laughs> if you go in the metro, you know. Yeah. Uh, so let me let me just say something. Um, St. Paul did not die there. He's buried there. Remember, he was beheaded uh, at La Trifontane, at the Three Fountains, which right. is even farther out on the Viapia. There's a convent. I've been there. The Sisters of the Missionaries of Charity used to be out there. Oh. Um, and uh, it's called the Three Fountains because when he was beheaded, tradition says the head bounced three times and out of each bounce you got a fountain, you got mm -hmm. a, something, some water welling up. So that's where traditionally he was executed, but his bones were taken, right, and right. buried in that specific spot, right, where the basilica. So what was like the most striking feature of this basilica? For you, Mary Lou. Oh, well, it's the sheer beauty and, and being able to, you know, there's a little staircase that you can go down where Paul is buried. And, you know, it's a wonderful place to pray and and to comm commemorate, you know, uh, who he is, what he did, to reflect on everything that he has given to Holy Mother the Church. And, um, you know, the statues that they have of him, you know, with the sword, you know, that's that's the way they picture him. And it's it's just, it's really quite moving. And the other unusual thing about the church are the, you know, all the Pope's uh, pictures are in this church. That's right. When you come in, you see medallions up high. 360, did he say? Two? One? Mm. Three? Four? Five? Six? Anyway, 300 and something. Yes. Pope's. Three six Peter. It starts with Peter and it ends with the light is shining on on Pope Francis. Right. So that is so cool. And you that's know. the only light that's on because he is Pope now and mm -hmm. all the others have passed away. So exactly. It's really quite moving and it's it takes up a it's a huge church. I mean the it is a huge church. I was looking at I'm looking at our pictures. I was looking at one of the uh, canopies uh, over the uh, bones of, of Paul which is beautiful. It's carved. I mean, I can't tell you about the artist. And also the mosaics in the apse, the, the, the mosaics of Peter and Paul and Jesus in the apse is also uh, just breathtaking. The whole thing was just beautiful. We, of course, saw it later on in the day, but it was pretty, it was pretty impressive, right? It was. And um, it's always fun to see people see it for the first time because mm -hmm. their mouths just drop. I know, right? You walk in, there, especially with these basilicas. When there's nobody there. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So it just gorgeous, whatever. So then the next day, what did we do the next day, Mary Lou? Okay. The next day we, we went someplace that I've never been before. And that was Santa Francesca Romana. And you know a lot about her because that is a patron saint of Rome too. Correct. Mm -hmm. And what a life she lived. I really, um, I really, truly think um i've had always had a specific devotion to her because i love the stories about her life she lived in the four, the 1300s died in the 1400s so she was of course living in times of plague i think he was probably she was probably a contemporary of catherine of siena and except she lived a very different life right she was coming from a very ancient roman noble family and was given in marriage to another ancient roman family um, and the custom was, of course, for the newlyweds to live with his parents in the family palace. And I love the sort of the conspiracy that formed between her and Vanozza, her co-sister-in-law married to the other brother of the family, 
where they basically made a conspiracy for holiness. They decided that they were going to become saints, that they were going to take care of the poor, that they were going to take care of their families in such a way that was going to, um, you know, please the Lord according to the dictates of the time. And um, I like it because she is a great model for um, married women, for <laughs> for wives and mothers. You know, if you don't have the usual story of the virgin who dies at 30 and without eating for 10 years, you know, like Catherine of Siena died at 33. Um, we have uh, an extended arc of time, and we have Francesca Romana dying through, I mean, living through the death of two of her children, um, living through the death of her husband, and always devoting herself to work. So she founded hospitals. So, you know, at the time you say, well, big deal, right? We have hospitals today. But the whole concept of hospital was something that came out of Christianity, taking care of the sick, taking care of the indigent poor, especially the sick, was a concept that came along with Christianity. Uh, the Romans, you know, the whole pagan ethos was not about taking care of strangers or taking care of people who were less fortunate. So this whole idea of her founding these hospitals was uh, pretty cool. You know, we tried to get into her house, of course we couldn't, but we did uh, take a tour, an extended tour of the hospital that she founded, which was pretty beautiful, wasn't it? I mean, it was it, pretty... Oh my gosh. Well, the 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 church, and, and is it a titular church? Is that where you've got the four basilicas and then you have three other churches in Rome that are special? Yeah, but I don't know if her church is not, but Santa Croce is, St. Cross, a Holy Cross. Okay. A but the church was beautiful. I mean, very intimate. And on the sides... There were beds with, you know, the straw and all that to show you where they took care of the of the ill. Mm -hmm. And it was so moving there and the um, intimacy. And they now have, of course, um, a modern hospital there. So they're carrying on what she started all these years later. And it's it was just a remarkable place because when you see the outside of this church, you're you're going in, you you don't think you're going to see anything, and then you see this big courtyard, and then this building on the other side of the courtyard, which is a new building for the hospital, and then there's another building that we went through, which housed the the people that that took care of them, and more space for people when they were ill and so forth, and it's just it was amazing because you'd never know anything was behind these walls. Mm -hmm. there are, and it's not something that the tourists go to. This was kind of a unique situation where we got to go there and listen to one of the people who who runs it um, and hear the history of all of it. Yeah. Um, did you what did you see the the relics? Yes. <laughs> the relics were out in in like this little cup. Mm -hmm. You know, this little container with the top on it. And um, and and they stated that, that they are relics of St. Peter. Mm -hmm. And it's, you know, and others. the altar, yeah. And it's really amazing. It was um, called Santa Maria in Capella, it was called. And it was just this little surprise of a church. We also toured the building, like you said, in the hospital. And so, you know, there was a beautiful garden. There were like a lots of really fun um, details that we were able to experience, right? Right. I think um, everyone enjoyed that very much. I thought so. I'm trying to remember where we went for mass. That oh no, we had mass. That's where we had mass in Capella because the the chair that's there was one of the chairs that popes have sat in. 
Mm-hmm. And Father got to, of course, use that chair when he was saying Mass. So mm-hmm. we got a picture of him in that chair smiling from ear to ear. Oh, gosh, yeah. <laughs> so um, it was it was really quite moving. So what do we do after that? Uh, let's see. What? Oh, well, that evening we went to, that pretty much finished the afternoon because we had done the walking tour and all of that. Um, we went to the church, the community of San I can never pronounce it. Egidio. 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 Because it starts with an E, but it sounds like an A. Right. And we went there for evening prayer. And How was that? Oh, my gosh. The acoustics were beautiful. There were lots of people there. Of course, it was in Italian, so we, we were able to get earphones so we could hear what was going on. It was the most beautiful thing, and that is one of the most gorgeous churches you will ever walk into. What church Most was it? Six. That was the, um, gosh. San, Santa Maria in Trastevere. Yes. Santa Maria in Trastevere, one of the oldest churches in the world devoted to the Blessed Virgin. And I can't, I still can't remember where the pillars came that are in that church. They came from someplace else, but they are, they're, they're mammoth. And they're all slightly different. And it's, they're so beautiful. Mm-hmm. Um, the, everybody wanted to go back there. Um and, and have really a more of a history of the church. But they have icons in the front and candles that you can light. And um, the, the mosaics in there are gorgeous. I mean, it's just an extraordinary church. So the community of Sant'Egidio is a lay community that was formed in the 80s. Um, about of basically lay people. It's one of those lay grassroots renewal movements in the church that came about after the council having to do with the renewal of the laity and also empowering the laity for the works of mercy. And so the Comunità di Sant'Egidio is actually known um, internationally for brokering peace accords because they have the moral statue, the, the stature, the moral authority, to be able to broker peace between two African nations, you know, that kind of thing. So I thought it's always a good sort of a, a fun side trip to see that there are other people, other lay people trying to live faithfully uh, praying morning prayer, praying evening prayer. That was Vespers, you know, mm-hmm. in one of the most beautiful, and they're based in uh, Santa Maria Trastevere. So that and, there were, and there were lots of people there. It wasn't like there were 10 or 12 people. I mean, mm-hmm. there were lots of people there. It was very moving, very moving. Beautiful. And what we did we do after that? that? That evening for dinner. And, you yeah. know, our dinners were always at local restaurants wherever we were yeah. you know, traveling, which made it extra special because... Heaven knows how many different pastas we tasted, but the food was was really quite good wherever we ate, and um, that was another blessing. It wasn't the usual pilgrimage food where they <laughs> give you some spaghetti with red sauce on it. Or oh something. gosh, no! I mean, this was uh, yeah, no, no, no. Plus, the food you know, was very good. It's impossible to have a bad meal, I think, in Italy. I mean, you could try. Yeah. You know. But we actually, uh, my daughter and I, that day we were free for lunch, so we actually went to the restaurant run by the community of Sant'Egidio in Trastevere, um, which is, uh, it employs handicapped people. So all our servers, the cooks in the kitchen, everybody had a history of being handicapped, of needing, you know, assistance, etc. But they were, they were there wearing their t-shirts. Uh, it was called La Trattoria degli Amici, the restaurant of friends. The, of friends, so it was really cool. Yeah, yeah. To kind we of see. by it, and it was. 
I don't know that they serve dinner. Is it just lunch that they serve? I don't know. And I must say it wasn't very good. Yeah. I mean, I was glad to Patriot to, you know, give them yeah. my, my, my custom. But for, for one reason or another, what we had was not very good. But, I mean, you know, I guess you go just to support them, that kind of thing. Exactly. In any case, what did we do the next day, Mary Lou? Well, the next day, that's when we went to St. Peter's Basilica. Mm-hmm. And we had mass downstairs in the crypt area, which is always so special. And it's early in the morning, and it's just when you walk through there, that basilica, again, when there's not a horde of people in there, it's just breathtaking. It's just wonderful. And, the, you know, being in the crypt area and having mass down there after mass, um, Pope Emeritus Benedict the uh, 15th, his tomb was right there. Mm -hmm. So we could visit his tomb. And there was a, you know, like a, a little candle lit and a few flowers there for him. And, then, of course, it's you, you, you can't touch it. There's a, you know, like a gate there. But it's all open. It was so wonderful to be able to be there knowing that he you know, had died so recently and was just interned there. Yeah. And it's the same place where John Paul, St. John Paul II was buried, and prior to him, St. John the Twenty Third was buried there. And they've both been moved upstairs in the basilica. Because so, of their canonization. Mm -hmm. Right. So it was, um, it's always a special place to go. And we had a, a tour of the basilica and the different mosaics and the history of it. And it Who was, gave us a tour? Uh, Guerrina. Yes. Remember yeah. her? Guerrina. Yeah. <laughs> Guerrina was a force of nature, right? Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. She wants you to know every little thing. She'll get in your face it. and just say, Mary yes. Lou, do you understand? Yes. <laughs> yeah, she'd go up to everybody. And we have, we have our name tags on because we need them to get in places so they mm -hmm. know we're part of the group. Yes, she was, she was spectacular. I, we all enjoyed her very much. And she, you can tell she enjoyed what she does. Mm -hmm. That she's very good at it, too. She's yeah. very good. She's very good. And then um, later that morning, we were privileged to have tickets to the Scavi tour. What is the Scavi tour? Well, the Scavi tour is where you go underneath the basilica, literally to the necropolis, which is where people were buried. You're walking on the... The, the streets of, of Rome down there, and that's where Peter's bones are located. Which what level? Be, what century, though? Oh, gosh. First century. First century, yeah. And it's like, what, 30 feet below? 60. Where in that? It's, and, and actually, when you go on the tour, they show you the foundation of the first church and the second church. You mm -hmm. can still see it. Mm -hmm. And this Acropolis was not just for Christians. I mean, there were what they refer to as pagans buried there also. It, it is so unique, it's it's hard to describe. And we've been on the tour numerous times, and this was the best one yet. I thought she was fantastic. Our guide, usually I would rather have like an American seminarian or somebody who was devout. This lady had the archaeology part down pat, but also the devotion. To, so we got yes. the full package. Yes, and the, you can only go in small groups if there's only, what, 10 or 12 people that can go at a time. So we had to split the groups up to go down there. But just to walk through there and see these different things and hear about it, because it's, it's just confirmation mm -hmm. of all that we know. You know, Holy Mother, the church, the early church, they took care of, of the bones of these saints. They knew where they were. They, you know, would commemorate them by building churches over them. I mean, it's... 
all the pieces fall into place. And there's, there's just no doubt in my mind that, you know, those are Peter's bones and you get to the point where you can see them. And I thought that they had, um, a special light and so forth. I thought the directions were a lot easier this time mm-hmm. to see it than in, in previous tours. Well, she was more invested too. I mean, she had mm-hmm. everybody now lean over here, take mm-hmm. a look at this, look mm-hmm. at the red light. You know, mm-hmm. I thought mm-hmm. she took a lot of time. She was lovely. She, she was. was. Lovely. She was. She was lovely. She shared with me afterwards that she had just come back from breast cancer, that mm-hmm. she had had a radical mastectomy like, you know, a month before. Like she was the, young. And she was young. Yeah. So you could tell that she was, you know, at a watershed moment in her life and she was mm-hmm. choosing to, to fall back on her faith. And it was just, it was great. I wish I could remember her name. I thought she was just excellent. Yeah, I don't remember her name either. She was but very good. Um, but that's something if, if you ever go to Rome, you have to get tickets in advance for that. And it takes you four to six months. And they, you know, like the Vatican, everything is complicated in the Vatican. Everything is, mm-hmm. you never know if you're going to get it to the last minute. You mm-hmm. never know if it's, if it's going to close or if it's open or whatever, mm-hmm. but um, it's well worth the the effort. Obviously, with a large group, you have to I have to jump through more hoops to get you know almost forty people down there at once. But I think for individuals, for families, it should be a little less complicated. But it's definitely worth the effort. Definitely, and what I'm surprised at on this trip was the extra security that you have to go through all the time. Mm-hmm. All these basilicas, you have to go through security now. That's right. Even is, more than normal. Right. Yes. We're going to tell you more about um, our pilgrimage on the other side in the next show. Thank you for joining us. Mm-hmm.